0: Kia ora, welcome to the coronavirus podcast. My name's Te Waiarangi and um, I've been quite enjoying some downtime lately, um, but I am really grateful that we're going to level two, and I can hopefully uh, see my mum who lives quite far away from me.
1: Kia ora, New Zealand, welcome to level two. Perhaps you're getting a haircut today, or you might have plans to catch up with a friend, Or you're taking a trip to visit family out of town. Well, whatever you're up to today, stay safe. I hope you're enjoying your newfound freedom. Later this episode, our producer Sonia Sly is taking a look at what COVID-19 has been like for businesses in rural parts of New Zealand. But first, let's get to the headlines. We had more good news yesterday. On the last day of Level 3, there were no new cases in New Zealand.
2: So today's uh, figures do reinforce that we are on the right path, that uh, we, have, uh, we are maintaining the gains made through alert levels 4 and 3, and we're heading for success. But as you will have seen overnight from other jurisdictions, uh, this is a stubborn virus, and we don't want to be going down the path where we see spikes again. So we can't afford to give away the progress we've made. We need to remain vigilant.
1: Dr Ashley Bloomfield was referring to Singapore and Germany, both of which have seen a surge in new cases after seeming to have brought the virus under control. Now, if we want to avoid the same thing happening here, we all need to stay on top of those basic health and hygiene measures that we've been talking about so often over the last few weeks.
2: Keep your distance from other people when out in public, uh, including in transport. If you are sick, stay home don't go to work or school, and don't socialise if you are unwell. If you have symptoms of a cold or flu, call your doctor or health line uh, and tell them the symptoms and ask about getting tested. Uh, Good hand hygiene continues to be paramount. Simplest and most effective tool we have to keep COVID-19 at bay. Social gatherings are a maximum of 10 people at once, and please keep track of where you have been to help us with contact tracing in case it is needed.
1: And if we do maintain that vigilance, hopefully those new case numbers will stay low. That's going to be the critical factor in keeping us in level two or even moving down further.
2: Everybody will be watching the numbers. The thing we are most concerned about is cases appearing where we can't, where, which are unexpectedly and where we can't track them to existing cases. That will be the critical um, uh, piece of information we'll be watching from a public health perspective.
1: The government has made one last-minute change to the rules under Level 2. Now, last episode, we mentioned the controversy over limiting funerals to gatherings of 10 people. Well, yesterday afternoon, Health Minister David Clark announced a change to that policy.
3: From tomorrow, funeral directors can submit a form that registers for an exemption to allow up to 50 people to attend a funeral. As long as the Ministry of Health is satisfied, uh, and they'll be satisfied by uh, way of it being a funeral director who's suitably qualified that applies, uh, that applies, that director uh, has filled out the form which indicates a range of public health measures can consistently be met, such as physical distancing, hand hygiene, and having no food or drink congregations uh, of those 50 people afterwards. That will mean more family and friends will be able to gather and grieve together. I hope that will provide some solace to people as they farewell well their loved ones.
1: Dr Bloomfield says Fano can also apply for exemptions for tangihanga on
2: marae. The protocol on the marae for the tangihanga will be obviously with the iwi and they will be um, required to abide by the guidance which includes the uh, groups of 50 and the very clear uh, public health uh, measures in place. They have been doing this already under Alert Level 3 with groups of 10, so it is just increasing the number. Uh, For the actual funeral, uh, they will be working with the funeral director, but we would expect, and and the the feedback I got from um, the iwi leaders when I joined their uh, meeting by Zoom with them earlier today was that that the marae committees are are, are very conscious of the need to maintain the protocols and keep people safe as part of the the um, marae-based, you know, part of of the tangihanga.
1: Meanwhile, a report has been released investigating how a number of nurses at Waitakere Hospital caught COVID-19 while caring for patients from the St Margaret's Rest Home cluster. That report was commissioned after three nurses contracted the virus and another four have since tested positive. The report cited problems with the usability of PPE and it also raised issues with one particular day where the nurses had to don and doff protective gear multiple times because they couldn't communicate remotely with doctors outside the ward. Waitamata DHB's Deputy Chief Executive Andrew Brandt spoke to Lisa Owen on RNZ's Checkpoint programme.
3: We're deeply sorry uh, about what has occurred to these seven nurses and we have apologised to each of the nurses that they should contract um, COVID-19 Uh, and uh, it is incredibly regrettable.
1: Dr Bryant said the report had provided valuable lessons for treating COVID patients in future.
3: What we need to do is reduce the frequency of needing donning and doffing PPE when we're looking after patients. I think that's a very important point, and there's some very helpful things in this report to help reduce that. For example, yes, making sure there are two-way communications inside the room and outside the room so one doesn't have to go in and out of the room, for example. I think a further initiative is making sure we've got good communication devices uh, inside with the uh, patient and uh, with their family would be another very good example. And so I think they are lessons to be learned and that's why this is been a very, very important report and I very much encourage everyone to uh, read the report in the health sector around the DHBs without. The aged residential care, because there are some important lessons to be learned to help prevent this in the future.
1: But Dr. Bryant pushed back on suggestions that substandard PPE was to blame for the nurses becoming infected.
3: The quality of the PPE uh, is not in question, or the supply of PPE. What this report is highlighting is that actually there's been changes of e- PPE in the. I'm sorry of, to interrupt,
1: I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is an important point. There is an issue with the quality at various points. They talk about the eyewear not being suitable. They also talk about faulty tags on the gowns. They talk about staff using masks that had not been fitted. They talk about inconsistency of the equipment with nurses having to learn to put on different types of gear because they weren't always getting the same supplies. That That is deficiencies in the PPE, isn't it?
3: So what that is describing is that making sure that the PP is supplied is appropriately um uh, put on, and that, uh, that is why it's very important that we've actually instituted the buddy system. So you put on, some, you put on your new gown, your gloves, your, your eyewear, your gown, and someone there is observing you to make sure that actually, yes, that's all exactly uh, right. If, if you, in that circumstance, for example, is saying, look, actually, be, you know, check your tag, make sure that glass is looking a bit loose, someone's there to actually check that before actually going in and see the patient. That's a very important initiative.
1: The big news today will be the release of the budget. We've already seen some parts of it, including a massive boost in health spending. But Prime Minister Jacinda Dern is signalling there will be large increases in government spending in other areas too. Our plan is to invest. By investing we will create jobs and get the economy moving again.
0: Just as the rising tide lifts all boats, a growing economy has the ability to support us all and allows us to bring the government book back, books back into the black. Now, this is not going to be the work of just one budget. It will require relentless focus on growth and jobs and not just growth for growth's sake, but in a way that acknowledges we have challenges to our environment, to our wellbeing, that we can also use this time
1: to help resolve. By the way, if you've been regularly watching the Prime Minister's press briefings, you might notice she usually goes along wearing something created by New Zealand designers. And if you've seen something you think you might like or you wouldn't mind getting yourself, then you might be interested to know that more than 130 New Zealand fashion brands and retailers are setting up a special shopping event tonight. You can check it out at togethertoday.co.nz Now, our producer, Sonia Sly, takes a look at how the COVID-19 lockdown has affected rural businesses.
4: Really, we're busy, but there's definitely much more engagement. You, You know your patients, you know them well, we know where people work, we know maybe what their routine is. We're able to try and be as flexible as we can around that.
5: Kim Tathan runs a dental practice, Pure Pure Dental, which caters to customers located halfway between Hamilton and New Plymouth.
4: We are just a single dentist
5: practice. And in terms of the isolation, how did that kind of set you up to be able to
4: cope, I guess, in a lockdown situation? With the restrictions that, that the Dental Council have put in place for us, that made it virtually impossible for us to provide any form of care. They gave us very clear guidelines that we were to treat emergencies over the telephone and by a prescription only. And there was very limited, for us being rurally, you know, it's a much longer distance for patients to obtain care if they need it. And fortunately, we have not had a large number of our patients who have needed that emergency care. But like
5: many businesses, closing the doors from the start of Level 4 meant that she now has a massive backlog of patients to contend with.
4: When lockdown occurred, I personally sat at work for two days and cancelled over 80 patients, and about 25 of those required quite urgent care at that stage, which we had to cancel. As of Friday, I had 152 patients, which I've had to cancel. We have... uh, got an XR spreadsheet set up now with, you know, we've triaged them to urgent care that we need to see as soon as we can, treatment that is required, but it it could maybe wait a little bit. And unfortunately, during this lockdown period, you know, some of that treatment that could wait has now moved into the urgent care category.
5: What opportunities do you see that might come out of either the way that you start to re- refocus the way you do business or some of the things that have worked in terms of like communicating with your clients over this time that you
4: are likely to keep in place? More we'll head, more more paperless. Uh, where there's a lot of information we need from our patients to, um, to treat them safely and to understand um, what their concerns are and how we can help them. And traditionally, we've done that by questioning the patients when they arrive. Or with, but now, you know, we'll be doing that via email prior to their appointment. So there'll be a lot more information gained from our patients prior to their appointment via email. And in a rural environment, maybe not everyone has internet or has an email. We've done it previously by phone, and so we'll continue to do that. And so. An appointment won't just be necessarily with us turning up on the day. Two to three days prior, there'll be information we send to patients and we ask them to return to us.
5: One concern for many dental practices and businesses where close contact is an issue is the use of PPE.
4: Access to PPE has been quite horrendous. Um, I don't think it's actually made any difference whether you are rural or if you are urban. Dentistry has been completely thrown under the bus with regard to PPE. There is... The added cost of PPE, which a lot of dentists will just have to itemise separately for the appointment, depending on the risk levels and what PPE are required. PPE has been our um, biggest headache as to what we need and how we're going to obtain it, and has actually probably been the reason why a lot of the public think that there was a difference for what care we could provide at level four versus level three. There was really no difference in, in care we could provide in those emergency situations. It just took all of those weeks of level four for dentists to try and uh, obtain the PPE that was required and for the government to give us good indications of what we actually needed. PPE is a, is a huge concern and um, the government has been uh, terrible in their support for dentists in that regard. They actually even requisitioned PPE that had been sourced privately by dental companies who were selling it to dentists and they had to unfortunately call those dentists and say, I'm sorry, the PPE you have ordered, we cannot now provide because the government has requisitioned it for their supply and they won't be providing it to you.
5: But now there are other issues. Along with a backlog of patients to contend with, unemployment is also on the rise. So what kind of effect would that likely have on a rural business like Kim's?
4: The irony is um, people never like visiting the dentist. And yet I think in the first week of lockdown, the second most goop, out there is our dentists open during um, during lockdown no one wants to come and visit us but we are um, apparently still in necessity when you're in pain so I definitely think um, you know people will prioritise where they spend their money we may not be classified by many as an essential spend people will still need their toothaches dealt with and it just depends um, When they do have that pain, there's a number of options you can choose when you're in pain. And I anticipate that people may well then choose a cheaper option rather than a more expensive option, which unfortunately may lead to more tooth extractions than than the saving of teeth.
5: Now, moving from teeth to something to tempt your taste buds. Something very
0: soft, crunchy, light, uh, elegant. uh...
5: Meet Francesca Bonventre. She lives in the Chatham Islands and runs a business called Go Wild. They make freeze-dried honey, and it sounds delectable. It's
0: a good final touch on a dish. We serve it uh, on the island to the tourists in crumbs, uh, maybe on a blue-cold ceviche, or maybe on a bifata, or maybe we serve it uh, on a cheese platter, or
5: beside a panna cotta or a mousse. And they've been running their business, Go Wild, for just over a year.
0: My partner is a chef and I work in hospitality as well. It was a couple of years ago uh, that we had this idea to do something
5: special with with the honey of the island So who are your customers? Are they tourists who would normally come to the island? They are Kiwis. I guess international tourists,
0: once they get to New Zealand, they have a lot to see and so many times don't even realise where the Chatham Islands
5: are. And we are uh, two hours away from the mainland. Now that, I guess, international tourism is pretty much off the cards for the immediate or even medium term, do you see that as an opportunity that will benefit your business? Absolutely, because uh, there will be more interest uh, uh, towards
0: New Zealand-made. We have a lot of walks, a lot of uh, endemic birds and plants, shing hunting. Uh, We are a chosen destination, especially for Kiwis. And uh, our one being uh, a regional product of New Zealand, I'm sure there will be uh, much more attention because people are not looking elsewhere. They are looking into their own backyard. And I'm sure the Cheathams in general will be promoted in the next uh, few months.
5: And Francesca has sight sightseed on expanding. Uh,
0: diversifying, that's the key for me. What me and my partner have been doing is uh, looking at uh, buying some land rich of uh, native plants uh, on the island where we can have our own BIs and eventually organise beekeeping tours, um, eventually set up uh, a lab or in a place where people can learn something about the bees and something about uh, the plants of the island. Really, for me, the possibilities are unlimited.
6: I'm Lynn Neeson, I'm co-director of Sheer Warmth, woolen Blankets with my daughter-in-law Monique Neeson.
5: Lynn and her daughter-in-law have been making them now for about a decade and over the past four years have expanded to become a fully-fledged business that also includes a retail store.
6: The farms at the junction of the Ohura and Whanganui River at the end of Tokarima Road in in the
5: Ruapehu District. Now we're talking traditional blankets, you know, the ones with a satin ribbon trim.
6: Yeah, that's a real art to put that on, so we're really lucky. We've got a fantastic sewer in town. We've got the talent here. So it's Romney. We don't compete against the soft merino. These are Romney Lamb's wool blankets which will last a lifetime. Really good quality and you're an heirloom piece. You know, they'll never run out. And every that's one of the problems people say, oh, I've got my um, grandma's blankets. Yep, absolutely, and you're gonna have our blankets your grandchildren are going to be able to say, I've got my grandma's blankets, they're warmth. Support our client base is rural New Zealand. We've had a lot of support from rural women. We sell mainly online. There isn't enough margin in it for retail, really. That's why we own our, operate our own shop. It's a tricky business manufacturing in New Zealand anyway, and especially uh, a unique product like this.
5: I thought everybody had like converted to duvets these days, but it's good to see that you've been able to use like a natural product, a local natural product, and to be able to make everything locally.
6: We're the only people in New Zealand making traditional wool blankets. Yeah. So I think that we can springboard off it. And yeah, your comment about people going to duvets. Absolutely, but blankets are just really complement it. So It was a niche market. We recognised the um, gap in the market,
5: especially for baby blankets, and then the business has just grown from there. But in light of the pandemic, Shear Warmth, along with other businesses, had come to a standstill. And for Shear Warmth, this meant interrupting the production process.
6: That's right. Well, we wait until the lambs get shorn in January. So that's sort of the start of each line. That process, it takes us about four or five months to finish the line of blankets. And that was one of the issues we had with lockdown. We were waiting for our winter line. It was three quarters of the way through the process of being made and we couldn't get it back until just last week. So that sort of held us up for a good five or six weeks.
5: Like many New Zealanders, Lynn is raring to go when level two hits and it'll be business almost as usual.
6: We're looking at opening the store on Thursday and our sower is there today. She's been there since it's been level three, so she's okay with that. We just have to think about putting processes in place to keep her safe and keep the systems running.
5: And keeping production local has been an essential part of their success.
6: Being rural, it's always been a fantastic advantage because our business, it's from... Our sheep to your bed is vertically integrated. We control the whole process and the actual obstacles of distance have been something that we've been dealing with. You can't underestimate the the advantage of that, really.
5: Many thanks to Lynn, Francesca and Kim, and also a special thanks to Rural Women New Zealand.
1: Kia ora, Sonia. That's all from us this episode. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Kia haumaru, kia kaha, Matewa. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Indira Stewart. It's produced by William Ray, Sonia Sly and Katie Gossett. Our sound engineer is Adrian Holley and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere and it's free. Just go to the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz.